exegesis. Hello and welcome aboard the Exegesis Express. Next stop, East St. Louis. For those who joined us at Barrytown, my name is Andrew and I'm your train conductor for today. Joined as always by Mr. Ollie Piper. Uh, Ollie, would you like to say a few words aboard the Exegesis Express? Oh, welcome. A small um, trolley of beverages and like refreshments will be provided <laughs> around. Uh... <laughs> Uh, I can't. Remember. I was gonna. I was gonna make up a station based on any of the. Yeah. yeah. On what based on some song names, but you've completely thrown me. I can't remember uh, any more songs. Seventh Avenue. There we go. Okay. I'll do. Great. Well, uh, today we are talking about uh, East St. Louis Toodaloo, which is the closing. Have you looked at that punctuation, by the way? Did you know, as a British person, that it was East St. Louis? Oh, I, I had to Google it. But I knew, yeah. I, because I knew I was doing the intro, I was like, I don't want any fucking Dan fans getting all up in my ass <laughs> if I if I pronounce it wrong. Or any residents Never of... heard you say, get up all, up all up in my ass before. That's the first. Um, <laughs> well, just to say... I, uh, I thought my whole life I have said East St. Louis, toodaloo. Yeah. As, as, a, as a stupid Brit, I've always said that. Well, I guess, because I didn't know where East St. Louis Frenchness. was. Exactly. So I I didn't know where East St. Louis was. If you'd asked me to guess, I would have said like New Orleans or Louisiana or somewhere. I think that's still where I think it is. It is. No, it's in Illinois. We're being very open about our lack of qualifications <laughs> to discuss this solid yeah. subject, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This brings me nicely on to uh, something, Ollie, which is that, you know... Series three, this is where we get self-aware, we get self-referential, we start t- explaining to people boring facts about the countdown. And I think that we need a change of theme tune. If, if the countdown can be called a theme tune, I think it's run its course, okay? So here's what I, okay. here's what I propose. Can you okay. explain to uh, our stateside listeners and any listeners, any British listeners under the age of 30... What is Later with Jules Holland? Um, Later with Jules Holland is a British TV institution in the same way that you might describe... So say you've got a relative who Mm -hmm. comes around on special occasions Mm -hmm. and nobody likes him, Mm -hmm. yet he has inexplicably some some sort of sway within the cultural confines of your family. Mm -hmm. That is Later with Jules Holland. What it what it is in practice mm-hmm. is a uh, is a music show, um, a very a very safe music show, rooted in kind of jazz and boogie woogie. Uh, the the most the, the most kind of they, they might have Radiohead, you know. Yeah. What once every decade that would be the the biggest boundary pushing thing they'd do. Yeah. But it's very safe, cozy. Uh, Jules Jules is a <laughs> sort of reanimated. Harry House and Jazz Skeleton. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of a man, intensely, intensely unlikable. Yeah. I, I don't know why Jules Holland, the programme still exists. I'm not going to be so cruel as to say Jules Holland. Well, I don't know why Jules Holland, a person, still exists. Of course, I would never <laughs> say that. Um, but that's it. I, did, that, did that do a good job? I, I don't know. I think, that, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Um, okay. Yeah, he's a sort of dithering, a sort of dithering uncle, isn't he? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, but one thing that is very 
memorable about the later with Jules Holland is the theme tune. Okay. Can, I, can, I literally cannot remember it. So what I'm going to do <laughs> is I'm going to play the theme tune and I want you to improvise a introduction to the show over this theme tune. Okay. And I think you see if it like gives me any any more energy or I think you will notice a significant increase in both our energy levels. Okay, let's try it. Okay. Here we go. Welcome listeners to Countdown to Exegesis. We're back again. Got all your favourites. The music. The vibes. Slam or scat. My name, 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 name's Oliver Piper. And uh, it's Andrew Souter. Very good. How, how, was, how was that? I liked it. I like how you, you started as yourself on a huge cocktail of uppers. And then you transformed into Jules Holland. <laughs> well, that that much boogie woogie piano would do that to anyone. Yeah, surely. Anyway, just a just a bit of fun, um, and a bit more. It's, a, it's great fun. A bit more fun for you. It's, it's, this is almost like you're trying to pad out an episode, which isn't going to be very long. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on tonight's episode, we got music, we've got vibes, we got the famous slam or scam, and we've got some tattoo updates. Ollie, remind the folks, oh. remind the folks at home about the tattoo thing that you crowbar. Well, I try not to, I, I try not to, you know, hawk it too much because it is, it is basically a, a form of prostitution, mm-hmm. um, and it shames me. What's wrong with that? Too. Well, it, it, well, exactly, it shouldn't, but it does shame me. Um, to to keep bringing it up, but basically, yeah, I'm selling a portion of my skin mm. in uh, in support of this podcast. Yeah, I am going. If you give us 55 star reviews on Apple Podcasts, because mm-hmm. I keep saying iTunes, correct myself in the outro last time, I will get a Steely Dan tattoo of Andrew's choosing. My body is hitherto clean and tattoo free, mm. virgin territory. So you know, I hate to be so crass, but you can take my. Inky virginity. Mm, that was hor- a horrible phrase. <laughs> if you so wish. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't have any ideas for your tattoo. But Jesus, I decided to engage with our listeners. Oh yeah, you, you do the, that, the, don't you? <laughs> well, occasionally. The folks at home, I said to them, what do you want Ollie's tattoo to be? And they said... Number one, should I name these people, or is that uh, an infringement? Well, so, sorry, what have you done? What have you have you texted friends? No, no, no. I put on, on, like, on Instagram. I, you can ask a question, uh-huh. and I said, "What should Ollie's tattoo be?" Okay, and I got I got four okay. responses. Right. Oh, wow! Wow! Yeah. Wow! Look at us. And they're all good. They're all good. Okay, great. Go go ahead. But do I name do I name these people or is that uh, naughty? I don't. I don't think we should. I I don't think we should ever name people without <laughs> asking their permission first. Okay. I know that's not how the internet works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not how engagement works. But that's just how I'm a bit old fashioned about these uh-huh. things. Well, I suspect. I don't know for sure, but I suspect these people are listeners, okay. rather than just very bored <laughs> people. Here's number one. <laughs> Stick and poke silhouette of the dancers on Gaucho's album art. Okay, great idea. What's a stick and poke? I don't know. I didn't Google it. Okay. okay. Let's guess. I think it's where they 
uh, it's like a sort of pointer list. Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. They they basically jab holes. They stab me. Yeah, pointedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, another uh, listener. <laughs> I really feel like I'm getting into the kind of five live presenter uh, mm. mindset. It's mm-hmm. quite it's quite uh, quite exhilarating, gently exhilarating. And another listener says a botanical drawing of an oleander plant. That is a lovely idea. It's it's a beautiful idea, isn't it? Because it, it... especially because my name's Ollie. Oh, and my name's Ander. Yeah, nearly. Yeah, yeah, if you were, if you were like um, Swedish or something. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, Where maybe. Called Ander, I don't know. Maybe it could be a botanical drawing of an oleander, and then underneath it could say Oleander Sutopipus. <laughs> oh God, no! <laughs> uh, oleanders. I didn't know what they looked like. They're they're pretty plants. Mm. So I I like this. And here's a botanical drawing, and it looks lovely. That is my favourite idea thus far. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Nameless listener. Thank you, Dad's FM. Um, Simon says the tattoo has to be a shark with big old Fagan lips, <laughs> or maybe just like that famous Stones lips logo. Only it's Fagan's grotesque mouth with little pencil tash. <laughs> I mean, if if I was getting this tattoo in the same era as Steely Dan were operating, that's what it would be. Yeah. that's a very sort of like seventies bar tattoo, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Um, so I appreciate that as an idea. It conjures up images for me. Yeah, it's a horrible idea in practice. It is, isn't it? Um, it is. Yeah, I, I, I have no desire whatsoever to do that to my body. Yeah, I'd probably cut off the part of the body that had it on within weeks. <laughs> okay, um, so the final. Cool. This is all fun. This is all so much fun, Andrew. Is it? Is it? Should we waste all the fun at the start? Because we're shortly going to have to discuss. East Saint Louis Toodaloo. I didn't realise there was one more tattoo. Please share the last tattoo with me. A big black cow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a little uh it's a little novelty postcard. I think if it was a small black cow, it could be quite beautiful. Yes, I would rather have a small black cow, indeed. Okay, so let's rank them. So we've got a big black cow, the gaucho dancers, a botanical drawing of an oleander plant, or a shark <laughs> with Fagan's lips. Uh number one. Oli and Ander. Mm-hmm. Number two, the pointless drawing. Yeah. Number three, the big black cow. If that was a small black cow, mm-hmm. it may it may shift to number two. Uh, and finally, um, that fucking abomination mm. of uh, Rolling Stones logo. Yeah. Great. Okay. Well, we're we're cooking on gas. Thanks, thanks, listeners, for engaging with us. It's it's nice. It's nice to feel. That there are sort of communications to our strange little island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes us feel a little less alone. Well, but it's a very swinging beginning of the end. It's a hard grooving, hard rocking beginning of the end, you know. And I think that 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 matters as much as anything, don't you? If we're gonna go, let's let's go out rocking. That's Apocal- what I say. Apocalypse! Wow. So tell me all about um, East Saint Louis Toodaloo. I'll tell you all about it. Did you know that it was originally written by Duke Ellington? It's not a Steely Dan song. I was aware, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, it was kind of his first hit, if you like, mm-hmm. whatever hits meant in those days. Recorded in uh, the first version, version of, first released version, I think, was in 1926 or 1927. He did a few versions over the years. It was kind of his signature tune until, uh, is it the A Train? Yep, take the A Train. Are you going to give a shout out take to the his uh, the co writer of uh, East St. Louis Toodaloo? Um, yeah, he's called like Buddy Windshark or something, <laughs> isn't he? He's uh, Bubby 
Bobby Miley? Yes. Yeah. Maybe. The the reason it's yeah. in, the reason it's important is because he's the one doing the growly plunger trumpet. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. yeah, which is which is which is lovely on the original. Yeah. Buddy Miley. Recording. Buddy Miley. No, Bubba. Buddy Miley. Bubba Miley. Bubba. Yeah. Bubbles. <laughs> yeah. So here's a here's something you might not know. Okay, this is all according to one book I found called um, the Encyclopedia of Great Popular Song Recordings, which had a two-star review on Google. <laughs> right. Um, it says it was originally known as East St. Louis Toad Low, right. referring to, quote, an old man so bent with age that he walked as low as a toad. Right. Yeah, I can. Uh, you can picture it, can't you? The... Yeah, yeah. A little toad man. Absolutely. Um same source says that the title was also supposed to evoke the Todolo, which was uh, apparently one of the erotic dances, quote-unquote erotic dances popular at the time. Right. I don't see the problem with it just being called Toodaloo. I don't know why it has to have all these things, unless Toodaloo is such a rare expression in American English that there must have been another explanation for it. Of course, because we're British, we say Toodaloo to each other, unironically, <laughs> oh, yeah. all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is the only sort of straight-ahead cover in the Steely Dan catalogue, meaning Becker and Fagan are not on the writing credits. Mm -hmm. There have been cases where they've interpolated or have been forced to give a credit, but this is the only one where it's a strict cover in the strictest sense. Um, This is the only Steely Dan instrumental. Right. So this is the only time we'll be foregoing the lyric section, so take a breather there. This song appears several apparently appears several times in Naked Lunch by William Burroughs. I haven't read the book. I'm sure you have. That's the, that's um, the second time you've said that, and I have not read Naked Lunch. Oh, it just surprises me. Mm. Um, including the scene where uh, the Steely Dan dildo appears. Really? Well, it's playing in the background as they as they wind the crank. Possibly, who knows. Um, so you might think that they were influenced by that. Becker claims not to remember that the song appears in the book. And instead, they're just paying tribute to a great jazz composition. He said, put it this way, William Burroughs at one point claimed he didn't remember writing that book. I don't see why I should have to remember reading parts of it. <laughs> oh, oh, that was a genuine laugh. You laughed? That was a genuine you laughed, natural uh, laugh. I think... That's something Walter Becker said. Oh, Becker said that? Yeah, Becker said that. Oh, maybe I'm warming to Becker as well. This was covered by, I should say, many fucking artists, too many to count. Uh, notably, the Temperance Seven. Do you know the Temperance Seven? No. They they were the throwback jazz band that inspired the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. Oh, that's mm-hmm. a fun fact. Um, yeah. Humphrey Littleton. Yeah. He's famous and shit. Uh, and also Duke Ellington's son, Mercer Ellington, and about, about 500 other people, including probably... Like undocumented shellac recordings from the twenties. Yeah, that will that will never be found. We started using him uh, for percussion and also for piano and fives. Piano and fives. 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 Piano and fives. Fives. Cut to music section. What about the vibe? Oh, fuck the vibe. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I forgot. Um, Andrew Shooter, what's your vibe? Such sweet plunder. That is, that's that's a lovely turn of phrase. No idea where it comes from. I hope it comes from somewhere and you haven't just made that up. 
it does come from somewhere. It's uh, there was a Duke Ellington album from 1957 uh. called Such Sweet Thunder, which was a, a oh. compositional suite based on the works of Shakespeare. And I thought it would be nice to, to continue the chain of illusion. So it goes Shakespeare, Ellington, Souter. Such sweet plunder because they're having fun. With, it's basically stolen goods, right? It's a, it's a completely faithful cover of this song. There's little flashes mm. of inventiveness, which we will talk about in due course. But they're basically cosplaying as Duke Ellington and his Washingtonians. But they're having fun with it. Mm-hmm. They're having fun. So it's such sweet plunder. That is completely on the money. I can't argue. Well done. Good vibe. I haven't thought of a vibe, mm-hmm. Andrew. If, in case the listeners can't tell, mm-hmm. I'm tired, <laughs> overworked, yeah. underprepared, and slightly hysterical. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I think they'll have, um, you know, divined that <laughs> from my performance as well. Um, so I haven't thought of any. I could improvise one. Um, yeah, go on then. Tooty tooty, crackly fun. But it's not crackly, is it? They've 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 shorn off the rough edges. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that is actually its stated purpose. Mm. Um, Walter and I are such jazz fans, Fagan said, and this composition stood up so well. We wanted to hear it with all the expertise of modern hi-fi. Mm. That's what they said. Most of the great jazz compositions have been neglected, said Fagan. So, yeah, tooty tooty, hi-fi fun time. Mm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think the vibe for me, in a, in a less punny, pithy way, is bo- boys having fun, you know? Like, it puts me in mind of King of the World. I remember when we were talking about King of the World, you used the phrase extremely measured fun. And I think it also okay. it also applies to this one, that it's you can tell that they are trying to do something kind of for the sheer uh, joy and inventiveness of, of it, but in a slightly mm-hmm. sterile, perfectionist way. Well, that's you know. it. It's not inventive. the The choice of instruments is inventive, yeah. but the the arrangement isn't inventive mm-hmm. in the slightest. It is a basically a note for note recreation of several different performances of East St. Louis Toodaloo. Yeah. So, yeah, good shout, good shout. I I started maybe doing more of the music, the music. The music, though, so it was uh, more complex than music after a while. The music. Hey, it's, it's going to be boring if, if, if we don't add some, some rubby, rubby notes. I'll tell you the players, shall I? Mm, please. Donald Fagan, keyboards. Walter Becker, wah-wah guitar. Not uh, Mr. Bax. As far as I can tell, not Baxter. Right. Uh, despite what Wikipedia claims, mm. every other source I saw said it was Becker and a wah-wah, not a talk box as well. Right. Um, also, it doesn't, Becker it doesn't also sound like bass. a talk box. No. Um, Dean Parks on banjo. Mm-hmm. Uh, as as the self-penned liner notes say, uh, Dean Parks' plangent banjo on East St. Louis Toodaloo. Nice. Jeff Skunk Baxter on the pedal steel. Yep. Denny Diaz on percussion. Mm-hmm. Jim Gordon on drums. Yep. Roger Nichols, recording engineer Supremo, mm-hmm. on gong. Right. And, uh, now, and I, I, Jim Hodder on the edge of tears. <laughs> Very good. Um, 
I, I've heard a story, which is probably apocryphal, mm. that Roger Nichols was made to repeatedly run headfirst into the goal <laughs> <laughs> um, to get the sound that Donald Fagan wanted. Well, I can. That sort of has a, a weird sense to it because this performance kind of reminds me of the Muppets. Oh and, yeah, and, no, that's. Do you know what I mean? I can imagine this as like a sort of show tune on the Muppets, and then. I, and then when you said that, you I was imagining Roger Nichols as the Great Gonzo, like Animal or Animal. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking about the Great Gonzo being fired yeah, from sure. the cannon into the gong repeatedly, <laughs> while Statler and Waldorf, who are Be- Becker and Fagin, are up in the mezzanine. Going, that was terrible. Roger Nichols had a delightful face as well. I think. Do you know what Roger Nichols looked like? Of course, I don't. I, I think if you Google Roger Nichols and look at Roger Nichols, okay, you will enjoy. The thought of him running into a gong mm-hmm. even more. He's just got like this big fat grin. He looks like he looks like such a nice man. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? And thus the idea of him running into a <laughs> gong repeatedly to please Donald Fagan is somehow even better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um Oh he yeah, he he does look sweet. Any guesses who played saxophone? Donald Fagan. Bang on. Uh the first time, maybe the only time he played sax on the uh, on a Steely Dan record, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Fagan showing his uh, multi-instrumentalist chops. Mm. He's on the blower. Yep. He's tooting away. Yep. Getting his big fat shark, shark lips around the, the reed. <laughs> <laughs> Just got this image of a giant giant mouth with a tiny like <laughs> toothpick saxophone. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's the players. Having fun. A little jazz band in all but horns. Yeah. Tell me about the music. Okay. Well... So, we said when we were talking about the vibe that it feels like slightly sterile fun. Mm-hmm. It's a cheeky little number. It's kind of a, the very inclusion of it at the end of side one feels like a joke of sorts. Mm-hmm. Even though I've the 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 attention to detail shows that they love Duke Ellington's music, mm-hmm. but it still feels like they're tipping a wink to the audience and saying it's a little it's a little goofy, right? What I like about it is just the fact that they did it, which is quite a basic response to have to a piece of music, but I just enjoy the fact that they they did this. I think I feel the same way. I, I'm happy that this exists. Yeah. And I, I'm really happy that they took the time to do it. Yeah. Um, similar reasons that we raised in, like you said, in the King of the World episode, in that it just sounds like people living their best musical life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And doing something that they care deeply about and, and having fun doing yeah. it. And as, as Paul um, McCartney, whose birthday it was yesterday, would say, what's wrong with that? The This is the thing, though. It's like it's like we're approaching this on the premise that there that there is something to defend it against. Yeah. Aren't we? Yeah. What And why is that? Is it because it sounds... It is inherently a goofy throwaway in the way it comes across. Mm. Or is it because... The influential Dan community of the 2020s has made, uh, made a figure of fun of this song. Think a bit of both. Yeah. But you see, but, but um, it's kind of like, because I feel that in saying I like that they did it, I feel almost defensive about saying that, as though as though people will listen to this and think I'm I'm being my usual contrary self. Like, oh, he's, he's, ru- mm-hmm. he's rude about uh, all these great Steely Dan songs, but now he's defending East St. Louis to Lou. It, it feel you know, like yeah, I, I, yeah, I could yeah, be yeah, accused yeah, yeah. of just being uh, a, a 
kind of cranky or whatever. But when I say I'm glad that they did it, it's partly because it's fun and dutiful and and sort of uh, a tribute to, to Duke Ellington. But also, I can't think of another example of a rock band doing something like this. Maybe our listeners can, mm-hmm. or maybe you can, but I can't think of a single other... The only example I can think of is Joni Mitchell doing Twisted at the end of Court and Spark, where she does that like vocalese jazz tune. You know that one? My analyst told me. I was, funnily enough, singing, sing, internally singing that to myself at the bus talk the other day. Really? But um, it's got a lyric about buses, hasn't it? Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I will read segments of the reviews, contemporary reviews, which which, which touch on this subject. Mm. Um, Melody Maker said, East St. Louis Toodle is, is an, an East St. Louis. Jesus Christ. I should I should give myself a slight a little electric shock every time I mispronounce this song. Yeah, yeah. East St. Louis Toodaloo is an unusual choice. It's a marvellous tune, complete with slightly loopy sax ensemble, here interpreted by what sounds like a synthesizer and horns, completely off. Mm. Um, it will be interesting to find out why they picked this particular classic, as rock musicians have tended to ignore the storehouses of jazz. And then the downbeat... Uh, magazine, I assume, says how many of today's rock fans are likely to appreciate the subtlety Ugh, of their arrangement of Duke Ellington and Bubba Miley's East St. Louis Toodaloo. God, I hate journalists. <laughs> and then, and then they go on to say, and this is this is shooting ahead a little bit, but they say, or the wicked wise mythological tribute to Bird and the beginnings of Bop in Parker's band. Now. That's giving away something to you, which is that Parker's band is a the next song on the record, right. which you which you know already. But B is also like is also a, a tribute, their self written tribute, but very much like a tribute to jazz. And it is it's worth mentioning that they dedicate the end of side one and the start of side two mm. to to like jazz tributes. Yeah. And in that way, it's it's like okay, it comes across as a bit of a musical joke, but. Are they making a statement here? I think they very obviously were. Yeah, yeah. Which is, which is, you know, Pretzel Logic is is kind of we've seen little we've seen little jazzy touches before, but I think this is very much a statement of like we're not actually really a rock band at heart. We appreciate all this all this old jazz stuff, even if it's not completely reflected on our music. Yeah. Currently. Yeah, yeah. And and I think at this point they're expressing their jazz chops through things like this note-for-note note cover and Parker's band and interpolating... Horace Silver. Horace Silver, yeah, um, in, in Ricky. And they'd kind of... They'd, they'd work out how to how to express their their, their jazz uh, influences more completely and, and, and more subtly going forward. But here at this point, it sounds like they, they're kind of doing it in a, in a slightly clumsy and, and, and obvious way, but they're doing it for a reason. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, yeah. My instinct says, right, that this is always this has always come across and was probably to some degree intended as as a tribute, but also as 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 a bit of a as a bit of musical fluff and a, and a bit of a novelty. Yeah. But you said to me earlier, what can you think of any other rock bands who've done something like this? Yeah, yeah. They've, they've gone. They've looked back fifty years to to, to old or to old jazz standards. No, but what is so different? Between this and what like Emerson Lake and Palmer were doing contemporaneously, yeah, because they were didn't they do a whole album with like 
synthesize and rock classical. Yeah, they did. Uh, they did fanfare for the Common Man, didn't they? Pitches at an exhibition. Yeah. Um, I would rather listen to East St. Louis Toodaloo on loop for the rest of my life <laughs> than listen to any of Emerson, Lake, and Palmer's classical mm-hmm. <clears throat> interpretations. Yeah. However, you know they they were in in the right context to the right audiences they were you know taken very seriously very beard strokingly seriously yeah so i've got no problem with it at all I, and i and i like i like with uh with i think my question yeah i i think my sorry to interrupt but i think what i'm getting at is is my question is would it be interpreted in the same sort of slight way when this was released my instinct says probably yes mm. but all the ingredients for East St. Louis Toodaloo are basically the same as what was happening in rock in other places, but that was taken much more seriously. Yeah. I don't. Do you see what I'm really, getting at? I don't well, know. No, it's, it's, it's really it's, interesting. It's, it's, yeah. cut my, it's there's a big why around. I think it's the tune. Why this is? I think it's yeah. the tune. I think if they'd done, uh, I don't know, like some really moody Mingus cover. No, I mean, I know that's right, not. Yeah. I, I I think their their roots seem to be in bebop, right? That's where they mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. they dabble the most. But but yeah, but you know definitely. yeah if they'd done Miles or Mingus or something like that or just something with a bit of a bit of vibe, <laughs> yeah. I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. the original. But I th- I think the one thing I find weird about this is that the the version I heard the like twenty seven version at least at the beginning it does have a lot of atmosphere and it feels kind of like late night like film noir sort of thing you know. So yeah, this is this is interesting, right? So you go back to. If you go back to the original, and it's the very original, it's quite it's quite an up tempo number. Like you say, it does have a that sort of. Mm, yeah. It's quite a sort of snaking, yeah. sexy, mysterious kind of line. Yeah. But, a, 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 but it kind of it, yeah it becomes a it becomes a dance tune and it becomes a, a little goofy. Yeah. Um, there's a version from I think like a few years later that I listen to as well, where they really slow down the tempo mm. and give it a lot more room to breathe. And the character of the song completely changes mm. and it becomes like, it becomes, it leans much more into that like smoky yeah. jazz club, um, sexy sort of film noir vibe. Yeah. Yeah. But it's kind of interesting. And that was my, that was very much my preferred version actually. I want, yeah. I want to hear that. Cause that was what I liked I'd about the it. early version was the like opening section. And even with the, the plunger muted trumpet, part Mm. it's kind of like a party trick isn't it doing that but it does have a slightly like menacing quality Mm. to it you know and steely dan steely dan have just shaved off all of those rough edges in a a way that i find slightly strange you know like the 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 wah-wah guitar has no snaky menace to it yeah yeah and what it reminds me of they haven't they they haven't they haven't because they they do play it basically note for note including include down to the way they express the notes yeah Albeit on a different instrument, you know. Yeah, but just the, the the timbre, if that's what I mean, you know, just the the basic sound of Walter Becker playing wah wah guitar is far more cheeky and like winky than mm. growling trumpet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we have to we have to keep in mind what the original intention of this song was in 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 Duke Ellington's version, which which is probably going to jazz clubs mm. or whatever it was at the time and playing. Uh, and, and playing music for people to dance to, yeah, and have a good time, yeah, yeah, you know, and that's that's that was its function. It had a it had a social function, yeah, 
Um, very, very far removed from uh, even 50 years later when Steely Dan are doing Pretzel Logic and music has been intellectualised. Rock music, popular music has been intellectualised, aided by um, the ad- advent of you know hi-fi recording technology. Yeah. God, I sound like such an arse. You sound like, uh, you sound like um, Alan Yentop or somebody. <laughs> Damn! that we're interrupting things now is that we are uh, we're going to do a segment called San Francisco Show and Tell and this is a segment where we show or tell just interesting shit that we've prepared for the other person and for our lovely listeners so you really smashed out of the park last time with your friend Tom Peel's perfect Dylan impression mm. and take on Barrytown this is going to be a bit of an anticlimax. Okay. <laughs> I warn you. Uh, however, you know, you might find things to enjoy. And also, you know, not to downplay it, I have created what I think is a new poetic form. Oh. Which is self reflective, self descriptive song poetry, right? So the concept is this I've taken, I've taken the initials of the song East St. Louis Toodaloo mm. and have written a poem that's made up of so it's a, where each word starts with an initial. So it's an, Does that make sense? It's an acrostic. Is that what is that what it is? is well, an, acro- <laughs> an acrostic would be like Ollie Piper. Yeah, I've seen those, I've seen that shit at school. Yeah. yeah. So you've yeah. invented you've it's invented like the that. acrostic, which dates back to like I've invented the acrostic, but I've applied it to songs, and the acrostic has to reference something within the song has to reflect on the song in some way so like so east st louis toodaloo is going to be e-s-t no e-s-l-t-o e-a-e-a-s-t-s-t-l-e s i've I've used it the full word east okay okay so just just so anyway so so so, enough explanation it will become more i'm making notes so descending we have e-a-s-t you want i know that you want to catch me out no i don't want to catch you out i just want to join in e-a-s-t-s-t-l-o-u-i-s-t-o-o-d-l-e-o-o okay i can't be bothered to write that down so just go go for it <laughs> okay ellington a sonic trailblazer <laughs> steely's <laughs> let me start that again i love it that's so that much again. better than what i was expecting okay Excuse me. Wait there. I haven't finished yet. Ellington, a sonic trailblazer. Steely's take lacks oomph, understand? (laughs) I, skunk, the onanist's onanist, deploy lush electric orgasms. Ooh. Why is he the onanist's onanist? What's that even mean? Like somebody who wanks a lot. Yeah, he's into wanky guitar. Oh, you I know. see, I see. I think that's the best, the best show and tell yet. I think that's really? delightful. <laughs> well, I just think. Okay, yeah, well, no, I'll, I'll take that. I think the reason it works so well for me is because the y- your opening gambit is so much better than I was expecting. Ellington, a sonic trailblazer, as an acrostic for East, is like fucking spot on, right? So then, because well, to... you know, I'm I'm a writer. <laughs> you, you are. You forget this. You are a writer. But then because, because because you've done so well on the opening bit, you can then go off into 
far-flung reaches of <laughs> depraved fantasy. Okay, so I should explain, right? Because this this might not sound this might not sound accurate to the song, right? Skunk does not employ lush electric orgasms. He plays a pedal steel mm. on this song, right? So what I, what this is describing is an imagined thought process by Skunk, mm. where he's in the studio. And they're recording East St. Louis Toodaloo. Yeah. And he's thinking, this lacks oomph. I need to get some squiggly electric yeah, guitar yeah. on this. That would really improve it. I see. So that's what's that's what's happening. Yeah. I think uh, I, Skunk, um, should be the name of the biopic. <laughs> um, I've done a couple more, Ooh. if you want to hear. Please. Barrytown mm-hmm. has, has uh, two interpretations. Based on how based on how you take the song, as we discussed last episode, so um, one would be uh, bigots and racists repent. You're totally old, weary news. Oh, that's one. Yeah, I like it. You could also take it as bigots and racists rejoice. Your time of winning nears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not so strong that no, one. I, I... Just wanted to reflect both views. Yeah, yeah. Um, my old mm-hmm. school. I've done mm-hmm. one for as well. So, do you yeah. want to hear that one? This might be my favourite that I've done actually. Okay, okay. My old school. My, your oleanders look delightful. <laughs> Shame California has overflowed off land. No, because oh, California will tumble into the sea. Oh, exactly. Ollie, this is. I think you found your niche in life. <laughs> one day. These questions will be answered in a splendid exegesis. So it's, you know, they've, they've smoothed off all the rough edges. I know that the, the the version I've heard, the original version by Duke Ellington, does turn into a jaunty dance number, but it has this kind of, yeah, late night noir feel to it at the beginning. And Steely Dan completely eschew that. And what it ends up sounding to me, sounding like to me, is like you know when the Beach Boys do ragtime, you know, like on Smile, uh, you know, on Smile where they have it's all these like kaleidoscopic fragments of songs and whatever, and then you will have suddenly a little bit of banjo, and a bit of honky tonk piano, um, and yeah. then on and then yeah. thirty seconds later, there's some Hawaiian pedal steel, all recorded mm, in this really mm. like crisp. It's like looking at a. Uh, like a hyper real photo or something you know it's like everything is so immaculate mm-hmm. that's how this sounds to me it sounds like a, a throwaway idea on a beach boys record or an early van dyke's pa- van dyke parks record mm-hmm. but with mm-hmm. but without but without the chaos without the sort of uh druggy spontaneity this is it like what van dyke parks and the beach boys were doing at that point was was already recordings like this had 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 passed into history and 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 they were looking at it through a lens of irony in const- in constructing their kind of psychedelic kaleidoscopic americana right yeah yeah they 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 were already review- viewing these things as kind of hi- historical curiosities yeah. i think yeah yeah now i think what steely dan are doing are deliberately missing that point and and saying let's actually just pay t- tribute to a great song you know, yeah, it, it comes it comes across in a similar way because of the you know because of the circumstances in which they're. But I also think put creating it, putting a pedal steel on a nineteen twenties jazz cover, I would say automatically has some ironic put some ironic distance between you and the source material. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's the mm-hmm. same. I think mm-hmm. that I think with the Beach Boys and with Van Dyke Parks, it's like 
they had this kind of misty, like partly drug induced nostalgia, which was kind of a vision of American music where you can just pluck like here's a bit of bluegrass, here's a bit of ragtime and you throw it all together in this mad soup. Mm. That's mm-hmm. clearly not what's happening here. I guess I just mean like the sonic sheen is quite similar. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. both and both are in like real contrast to the original recording, which sounds like a live band playing in order to make you dance. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Something has, you know, yeah, something no, I, something has I, I changed agree. in those fifty years, obviously. In indeed, yeah. indeed. Um just to sort of drag us out of the library mm. a little bit. Let's comment on some individual things. Okay. What do you think of Jeff's pedal steel solo? I like it. I I love yeah. that. I just think that's a real sweet point, and I I don't think you get to hear pedal steel in that way on a lot of Dan tunes. I don't think any apart from this mm. where it's kind of playing individual notes in in that sort of way. It tends to be a kind of a, a background swell. It's used atmospherically. Uh, a lot of the time, oh, so. but what about uh, is it Pearl of the Quarter? There's some really, really lovely yeah, melodic that, that stuff. Yeah, that was the other one that I was... Yeah. yeah, no, you're quite right. It does it does do that. Um, um, but still, at the same time, that's like a... It's not a pedal steel solo on that song, is there? I, don't I can't remember. Or is there? I can't remember. I can't remember, can't remember. We're going to get so much hatred. <laughs> um, but I, uh, no, I really like it. I think it's really sweet and lovely. And also, yeah, it has that like like pastiche Hawaiian sound. Which I associate mm. with like late sixties, early seventies Beach Boys. I don't know how much the Beach Boys mm. did it, but mm. I just it's just a sound that I associate with them. No, I think you I think you're right. I think I think that period of Beach Boys I hadn't made this connection, but they're um they're pilfering from a similar sort of sonic toolbox. Yeah. Aren't they? Yeah. But uh but yeah, the Wah Wah sound don't like it. Becker's Wah Wah guitar played well. If if they if they wanted this song to be taken seriously, which I'm not even sure they did, yeah, um, but that was their big mistake. But ju- just to, just to head back into the the shadowy shelves of the library, mm-hmm. do you not think that choosing the Wawa guitar was an intellectual decision on Steely Dan's part? Because they were like, so apparently I read on the Wikipedia page for East St. Louis Toodaloo that Bubba Miley his that growling plunger style of trumpet playing, he kind of was a pioneer of that, and this was a really early example of it. So it was like okay. a novel. It was like a novel technique, a new sound in jazz. And so I wonder whether Steely Dan were like, right, what is today's equivalent of a, a sort of novelty now sound? And I know Wawa had been around for like seven or eight years, possibly more, but it's still like they're they're intellectually reaching a decision about the instrument choice they're like what is today's plunger trumpet i think yeah i think i i found a quote on this which i subsequently lost but they were kind of talking about i think becca was talking about how interesting and fun it would be to use like the modern technology and, right, and painting yeah. wah-wah as kind of yeah. as a sort of modern innovation um and and there's a new times article this is a direct quote just to uh, just, just so I'm not misquoting left, right, and centre, but it says Becker says the band recorded the song because it's fun to recreate Bubba Miley's Wah Wah trumpet solo on guitar. Mm. So it kind of sounds like that was the genesis of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, basically, all signs point to Pretzel Logic being a bit of a grab bag. Yeah. <laughs> of, 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 uh, offcuts and leftovers and musical jokes that um, 
and and it was probably quite hastily recorded. Well, this is. I was just thinking, like, I would love to see because I know there's the famous Asia documentary, which I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to. By the way, I am looking. I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to that more than the album. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, I get that. But I would partly because I just find music documentaries inherently funny. I just think they're really, really funny. And it's the funniest music documentary ever made. There you go. So I'm, I'm well. it's it's going to keep me going all the way through fucking Katie Lied or whatever bullshit we're doing next. <laughs> oh, that cut deep, Andrew Suter. <laughs> that cut deep. Sorry. So I can be blasé about pretzel logic and I am blasé about pretzel but logic. But Haitian divorce. You know, as I've said, it's not on Katie Lied. Okay, um, okay. Katie Lyde is very, very dear to my heart. That's where I will start to like get moody and mm. angry on recordings if you start to diss stuff. Oh, good to know, to know. Because Katie Lyde for me is un- untouchable. But anyway. Okay. Well, all I was going to say was, let, let me. I'm not going to retract it because I am dreading it. <laughs> <laughs> but I won't say it again. No, I would like to see... I think a, a, a documentary about the making of Pretzel Logic would be really interesting because... It sounds like fun, but it's extremely measured fun, as we've said before. It's sterile fun. So, like, were they stressed? <laughs> Was it like a sort of panicked <laughs> hysteria where they were like, "Quick, get it's get, strange, get the, get it? the gong," I, 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 you know? Like, uh, Roger, g- I, I don't, I, I don't know how to take it. I really don't like because because, like you say, like we've implied, like it, it sounds. Some parts of this album feel a little unthought out, and 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 the rest of mm. it. But at the same time, they they the way they describe it in the liner notes is they're going in as studio pros for this album. You know, they they know what they're yeah. doing. Yet at the same time, it sounds like they're larking about. But but that's but that's <laughs> you the, know, but that's the weird paradox is that the the perform like the the conception of this as a track and the performance of it of a track are fun. But it cannot have been fun to record. I just cannot imagine any of them having any fun because it's all so precise and like everything. There's no, there's no bloops or, you know, if they were really going to have fun, they would have just done a kind of knockabout live recording. You know what I mean? Or, or, or kept in some looseness. But it's like this meticulous surface, you know. And they can't. Know. They can't. I don't have know. Fun. I, don't, I don't. I don't know if. Can you imagine Jeff's, Jeff Jeff Gunn Baxter finishes would... his pedal steel solo with a big grin on his face? Yes, I can imagine that because they're that because they're those kind of players. Now, this is something that you do, and it's not a criticism of you, but I think you know you you equate looseness with having fun, and I don't think that's necessarily the case. These are the kind of this is Steely Dan, you know. This is the kind of people that they derive fun from creating something. It's like someone. Like a nerdy type mm. who is gonna like who's going to ha- find great fun and satisfaction from constructing like a perfect scale model of the Eiffel Tower in Lego. Yeah, Do you know I, I can mean? see that. Like I can't. I, it's just yeah. a, it's just a different way of deriving fun. I understand that that as opposed to the kind of bar room. Yeah, lark about. No, I get, I, that you enjoy. I, I do you know? get that, and I understand that you can have fun playing something very very precisely, but. It's just, I guess that the, I, I'm just imagining the the actual process of recording this. It must have taken like 700 takes for each tra- individual track on this tune. <laughs> but maybe, well, I mean, I maybe I don't know. They could play. Maybe they, maybe they really. Lo- yeah, but but the only reason I'm saying that is because Steely Dan fans are always going on about their studio perfectionism. I don't know. I don't know how many takes they did, but Steely Dan fans love to <laughs> mythologize that they, you know, 
They love to they love to mythologize that they're excellent players, but also that <laughs> they did loads of talents. yeah yeah yeah. Well, no, but isn't there's, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a pull. But there. isn't the mythology <laughs> that, that that Becker and Fagan are the perfectionists and they are like whipping extremely gifted session musicians into shape? Isn't that the the mythos? Right. I don't I don't get that from this tune. No, no, so, not from the I mean, I, I, I'm not saying do, that from this tune. I'm just saying this is a ta- th- that is yeah. the that is the cliche yeah. that they cultivate. Yeah. Like a you know, mold. Yeah. Or I'm just trying to justify why I said it probably took 700 takes is cuz mm-hmm. Steely Dan fans mm-hmm. love to bang on about how many takes things took in a very trying way. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I I take your point. There is fun to be had in uh, sort of, yeah, like nerdy, microscopic precision. But did they all have fun? Mm. You know, was... was Roger Nichols grinning his way in, into the gong. <laughs> <laughs> Every time he just like... Every sort time. of shake himself off and go, oh, boy. <laughs> and then Fagin would just oh, go... I like to think he yeah. was. Fagin would just go, again. <laughs> or just... Yeah. It's got like one of those dog training clickers. Yeah, yeah. Just reward Nichols with a click. Gong. <laughs> used to get used to get a sausage, but they're giving up on that now. We sort of copped the name from a uh, uh, popular novel of the day because uh, we needed needed to call it something. We had been calling ourselves, you know, Becker and Fagin and stuff like that, which sounded more or less like a delicatessen or some sort of, you know, tailoring outfit. And so we were glad to have something else to use. Okay, so. I'm not going to do this every episode, but just since this is fairly new, I will introduce the concept again. Um, for my show and tell, for any major dude will tell you, I got a guy on Fiverr to write a bit of microfiction inspired by the lyric of that song. That guy turned out to be Brian Rustin. Brian Rustin turned out to be uh, something of a literary genius, and I've asked him to continue the uh, the concept and and write a kind of write a, a story of short hundred word chapters that makes up that that spans the whole album inspired by lyrics from the album. Now, obviously, there's no lyrical prompt for this one because it's a, it's an instrumental. So I just said to Brian, "Go wild!" But to bring you up to speed with the story, to bring listeners up to speed, the guy on a football field he's spelling out a proposal to a girl called Katie Lee. Um, using Fruit Loops and a fertilizer spreader, and we've in, been introduced to the characters basically. So there's our protagonist, Victor is the guy doing the misdeed, and then Katie Lee is is the girl, and and the protagonist is kind of trying to stop Victor from doing this crazy thing. And Katie Lee, um, Katie Lee cheated on uh, uh, our protagonist. That is a very important point. Yes, thank you for reminding me of that. You're welcome. Two against the natural grass of a high school football field. Part three, East St. Louis, Toodaloo. The cold night air is stale with the stench of Fruit Loops, which Victor is currently pouring into a fertilizer spreader, and Grey Goose, which I assume Victor poured into himself before arriving. He's barely listening. I take out my phone from my jeans and threaten to call our friend Jim, but Victor, without looking up, says, Already called him. The fuck? I say. Yeah, I needed a few guys from marching band. For what? I ask, desperation leaking out of me like a loose nut in a cheap faucet. Victor says nothing. For what? I demand, practically in hysterics. He's very good. 
So we should note that Brian is actually doing these readings. That was a decision we made after recording last episode. Yeah. So none of us really reacted to the fact that Brian is... None of us mentioned the fact that Brian is actually reading these, but we now have... Mm-hmm. I've actually I've asked Brian to do these readings himself, so you are hearing the voice of the man, the legend, the Roston, mm. as uh, uh, listeners. But yeah, another another great chapter. Yeah, uh, um, I really liked the desperation leaking, uh, like a loose nut on a faucet. This is a, this is the thing about about Brian's writing. This isn't a criticism, but not a lot has happened. But there's been an awful lot of um, excellent turns of phrase. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but also. I remain on tenterhooks. I'm looking forward to knowing what happens next on Storytime with Brian Roston. Slam. Or. Scam. So it's time for the final segment of the episode where we rate the song as either a royal scam, bad, or a royal slam, not bad, to good. Ollie, what are you saying? Uh, do you know what? I th- I, this song has stumped me in terms of slam or scam, more than any other. Mm. I really, really, really don't know. I absolutely, like. I, I cannot communicate where this song sits in my value judgment brain part. Fuck knows. I don't know. You say yours and then I'll think about it. Well, I, I also don't know. Is this going to be the first... <laughs> the first parked... Slam or scam stalemate? Yeah. Uh, I I guess I like the tune... And I like what they did with the tune in terms of decision making. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. The result is a little bit cold and not not very bouncy. But but there are there are individual. I don't know if I agree with that part. Well, but I was I'm about with to you. say there there are individual Otherwise. parts which are fun and satisfying. So it's equal parts pointless and pointful. It's equal parts cold and fun. It's equal parts you know sonically adventurous and filler. It's just a, it's just a curio, you know. It's a conundrum. It's a conundrum wrapped in an enigma. It's a conundrum. At the end of side one of Pretzel Logic. <laughs> it's it's like, it's as you've said before. You know what what are we what exactly are we rating when we rate Royal Scam or yeah. Royal Slam? Are we rating the success of the song to deliver on its principle, or are, are we rating our enjoyment? If if we're rating the song on this. Premise: Becker and Fagan and the band wanted to pay tribute to a Duke Ellington song yeah. and filter it through modern hi-fi techniques. Yeah, I think they absolutely delivered yeah. on that. Agreed. I think they did. I think. I, th- I think. I think they did a cover so faithful, few could pull it off in the same way. Mm. Um, if but if I'm rating my own enjoyment of it, I it puts a smile on my face, mm-hmm. but. I, it doesn't. It doesn't. Reach I would the never eyes. say. I would never say. I'd never say to anyone. You know, if I was making a a, a three disc compilation, going back to those old, mm. you know, curios called CDs. Mm. If I was making a three disc compilation of Steely Dan, even though even across those like over two hundred minutes of music, mm. we would. I would not include E Saint Louis Two Glue, on, as being. Rep- representative of Dan at the most, but enjoyable. you might put it on as an example. But you might put it on as an example of them being adventurous and weird. Yes, no, you're quite right. You're quite right. Oh, for fuck's sake! Okay, so here's where I'm going. So I think that in intention, it's a royal sc- slam. In enjoyment, it's a soft scam. As in, it's enjoyable but not that enjoyable. You know, it's not a full scam. It's a soft yeah. scam. It's like take it or leave it. 
in intention, I think they've absolutely smashed it. So I'm going to meet in the middle and say it's a soft slam. Interesting. Can I just borrow everything you've just said? Sure. And use it as my own? Because I think that's exactly how I feel, more or less. Soft slam. Oh, I don't know. Because I, 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 maybe I'll push it into soft scam, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Actually, be, because there's, I think there's better songs that I've called a soft slam. I think there's, you know, higher, mm. um, higher jewels yeah. in the uh, in the dance in the Danosphere. jewelry yeah. cabinet. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push to, I'm gonna push to soft scam. I am. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Thank you, Andrew, for indulging me for 23 episodes and counting. Thank you, uh, thank you, patrons, for giving us a little pocket money every month. Um, our patrons get to enjoy occasional bonus episodes covering Steely Dan rarities, if you didn't know. They have been coming out more or less on a monthly basis, although we missed last month because uh, we've been prepping for this series so apologies but you can join them for a, sh- a small amount of money each month if you'd like to and if you don't want to do that that's perfectly reasonable but you could could you please maybe give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform um, Apple Podcasts is the one I've designated for the tattoo fund but you know um, all of them help grease those algorithms so all appreciated Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.